And welcome back to Imagine Akasha. I'm Tom Fry. And I'm Nancy Volling. And we've got a very interesting guest today on this uh, episode, uh, Costa McCreese, uh, the founder of E.T. Let's Talk, as an extraterrestrial, I assume, and the E.T. Let's Talk community, the People's Disclosure Movement, the People's Love Alliance, and the Global CE Initiative. He's an international networker and creative artist working on behalf of healthy relations between all life forms. And I see you're born in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I, I did a radio show in Fort Wayne, and my stepdad was born and raised in Fort Wayne. So we are... And I also, you went to Indiana University, which is where I went. See, so we already have something in common off the bat. That is awesome. Never knew that. We'll take it. (laughs) We'll take it. Go Hoosiers. So tell us, um, we have so many questions because this is, I mean, everyone, even if you don't necessarily believe in extraterrestrial, everyone's interested. It it always, you know, whether it's a movie like E.T. or something, I mean, everyone seems to be captivated by this. So what are ETLetstalk.com and E.T. Let's Talk community? Why don't we start there? Sure. Um, we're an online community, a social community. We started in, or I founded it in uh, 2012, so we're going into our um, eighth year right now. And it's a community of um, about 50,000 or more people um, around the planet in more than 100 countries who make uh, daily, weekly, and monthly contact using certain protocols with um, what I call our star friends with ET Intelligence. So basically, in a nutshell, that's what the community is about. It's doing the contact and using what we call the uh, CE5, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind Protocol, which is a human-initiated interactive contact with um, ET friends, uh, those that are piloting the ships. And that's what makes it special. It's human-initiated and it's interactive. So we don't have to wait in our community for a passive experience to see a UFO and hope and cross our fingers that it might happen, we proactively go out and initiate that contact. And I have years' worth of testimonials and pictures and stories and experiences from so many people in the community that shows that uh, we're onto something. You know, we've been successful for all these years in making that kind of contact. So that's it in a nutshell. And when you say when you say making contact, do you actually, I mean, do you like talk to them on some sort of a radio frequency, or I mean, how how do you initiate this? Well, the initiation is uh, a matter of uh, what we call consciousness. Uh, people can um, either singly or in a group get together and in meditation or contemplation. You can use a lot of different words. But the idea is to get into kind of a harmony and coming from one's heart and from one's goodwill and good intentions towards these beings. Uh, we, we do what we call raising our vibration. And I know that sounds like a really a new agey kind of thing, but, but, but it's true. You, um, if you want to meet someone that you've never known before, you put on a smile, you put your best foot forward, you, you uh, get into a good mood, and you interact with them. Then this is no different. When we get together, we try to create that feeling within ourselves, where, which is, hey, we're not afraid, we're very open, this is a positive experience, we know you're there, and we're going to concentrate and make the connection using these simple steps. Now, the responses can come in a lot of different and creative ways. Uh, there's the standard thing that we call the classic things, the lights in the sky. Um, even after all these years, you know, I still find those exciting. Yeah, uh, and a lot of people, a lot have had experiences up close with those lights. I mean, like a treetop level, as well as far away and everything in between. 
But the other ways the communication can come is uh, via telepathy. I don't know if your listeners believe in that, but a lot of people in our community um, try to practice that, and sometimes it just happens when you don't expect it, like between human beings, where you know each other's thoughts and you don't know how that happened, but, you know, it, it does happen. So telepathy is one way that the messages do come from the, uh, the, the occupants of these craft. Um, I myself have received those kinds of messages in short phrases, and yet I know other people who get complete sentences, paragraphs, and transmissions, and they can talk back and forth using this very special and actually universal means, which is telepathy. Uh, there are other ways they let us know. They use electronics to, to turn lights to flash on and off in the house or in a car that, in a way that shouldn't be happening. Or they'll turn on a um, smartphone, for example, that's been turned off, you know, powered down. And suddenly it turns itself on and it starts playing a song that's been in your playlist but you haven't played for years. And the song has some kind of a cosmic or astronomy or star-related theme that it's singing right there. So like David so, Bowie's Starman will all of a sudden come on or something. Exactly. Right. And there's lots of songs out there because the, the truth is that a lot of musicians, and there's a book out there by our wonderful friend Grant Cameron, and I forget the name of the book because I could kick myself because I want to plug it for Grant, but he has uh, written about many, many um, musical stars and creative artists of all kinds who have had overt contact with uh, some of these beings. And so they make songs about them. And so it's not so unusual for, uh, like I said, your smartphone to, to start playing one of these songs when you least expect it. Now, having said all that, sometimes people will get, um, in terms of a response, they'll also get a touch on the knee when there's no one there, or maybe your nose gets pressed in or pinched, or like it's happened to me, like a really firm tap on behind me on the shoulder. And i turned around and there was no one there wow. um, the nearest person was 10 feet away and, and I want to stress that all these means of communication are meant to reassure us that that they're there that, that we've made the contact they're not intended to frighten people because this is not about the fright factor which is what Hollywood right. has been pumping into our brains for decades. Anal probes and, you know, going on board yeah. the ship and all that stuff and being, you know, experimented on. Uh, you're saying that this is not a well, frightening you know, thing. Yeah, that's, it's, it is frightening to people, even if it were to be for benign purposes, benevolent purposes. And there's more to than I can go into about that particular subject, but it is a, a very vibrant subject in the community about going on board and all that. That stuff has happened. It's happened to people that I've known. But I want to really underscore the fact that uh, recent studies done by the free organization show that an overwhelming percent, um, I want to say it was like 85% of thousands of people who participated in this study and who had close encounters of some kind reported that it was a positive or, at worst, like a neutral experience. Yeah, they, they went on board for a potluck dinner. <laughs> hey, that would get my vote. Uh, <laughs> I'd want to have, uh, yeah, just my choice of different kinds of food. Exactly. I would ask what it was first beforehand. <laughs> How many alien um, species have you encountered, do you think, you personally? Types, you mean like races? Yes, Is that what... yes, like races. Um, I, I think that I'm in direct contact with um, at least two different kinds, from the star system Sirius, Mm -hmm. and from the 
Pleiades, mm -hmm. uh, the seven sisters, as they're known. If you're an astronomy buff, uh, the words Sirius and Pleiades are, are well known to you. Um, now, having said that, I get reports and have gotten reports for years from my community that they've encountered many other different kinds of races, some of whom will give them a name of a star system that's familiar to us, or maybe not at all. Sometimes of individual names of contact entities are given. You know, I've been given that in, in some cases. Or sometimes they will wish to remain anonymous with names, um, etc. So it's all across the spectrum. Uh, there are many civilizations we're being told that are visiting it and have been visiting for decades. And and if you watch, you know, the, the History Channel and Ancient Aliens, then you know they've been around for like you know likely thousands of years. But at present, there's an unprecedented amount of them here because of the the great perilous situation our planet is in. Uh, you know, with all the, the things that could go wrong <laughs> that are going wrong with, you know, climate change and wars and threats of wars and, and viruses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they like to be called star friends instead of aliens, so I'm going to continue to refer to them that way. Uh, they, they've told me this. So uh, uh, the two races that I've talked to anyway uh, and telepathized with, um, so they they want to let it be known that we should not be looking upon their presence and them as gods because human beings and religion don't seem to do so well. <laughs> you know. You think? think yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I don't even have to explain that. No. And, and religion can be a wonderful thing. I'm not being anti-religion, but I'm just saying, take it to an extreme. Human beings uh, can start worshiping and demanding that they and only they have the truth that no one else has. And be willing to kill someone else over that assertion. Every war, so, they say, just about every war has been about religion. So that that, that makes um, sense. Do they come for like water and stuff? Because I, I I've heard that you know because we have such an abundance of water on this planet that you know some alien forms and uh, uh, what did you call those people? You, you said star that the, people. Star people are, are are coming here because we have some resources that are interesting to them and they can't maybe have the abundance on their planet. Is, is, is water the big one that you've uh, encountered or have you not heard of any no, resources at all? Never heard that one, actually. But, but here's the thing. Um, I want everyone to know this. I don't claim to be an authority who knows everything about every race and their motives, their operations, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't. Um, I like to say that our, our, our community is an experimental community, an experiential community. We are having our experiences. We know how to make contact. We get online and we share our experiences. And it's like a, a jigsaw puzzle where each of us has one or more little pieces, right, of the old, the big jigsaw. And by talking with each other and sharing experiences, we try to put them together and try to get a bigger picture. of right. Fill in some of the missing uh, pieces that someone else might have. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't claim to know that there's no one here for the water. What I will say is what I've been told is the vast majority of them, many civilizations, are here out of concern. What I alluded to before is that our planet is in a situation now where we could destroy ourselves or we could decide to do things differently than we have before and start getting along and practicing more love, more compassion towards each other and learning to cooperate instead of compete and save the planet, ourselves, and all of its life forms. We have that opportunity now, uh, more so than any other time. And a lot of these civilizations have shown up not only just to observe, 
But they have told us that uh, they're willing to mentor us. If we reach out with requests for help, they want to partner with us. They want to co-create a breakthrough for us into a better civilization than than the well, then why are they kind of the messy one that we have right now? Well, then why are they only reaching out to those people like yourselves who you know do use the telepathy and use the meditation? Why don't they just make themselves seen and known and communicate and say, "Hey, we're here to help you. We've we've been through this ourselves. We know some answers that you might not know." Because of well, the fear in this world, wouldn't they cage them? What was that? I said, Tom says, why don't they just appear? And then I said, because wouldn't we just cage them and hurt them well, like we one, have we in the past? We, we couldn't cage them, number one. <laughs> Try catching one of those going at 150,000 miles an hour in the skies. Even uh, the jet planes can't do that. But, you know, you bring up a great point. That's a very legitimate question. Um, a lot of people struggle to answer that. And one thing I've been told by them is that we're not quite ready yet because we as human beings cannot even accept someone else who is a human who has a different color skin. Right. Right? How are we going to uh, greet visitors who might, um, I mean, and there's many, there's a few races actually that look actually like this. They're, they're indistinguishable. And actually they're walking on earth. That's a whole other topic with us to help us. But there are others that, um, you know, if you've watched any um, any science fiction show, can look really human or, or not. And, and they may have the most wonderful consciousness and big hearts and compassion, but if they don't look exactly like us, how are we going to deal with that? I think a certain amount of humanity is ready for that if they look differently, but a large amount of humanity is not even able to accept its next-door neighbor whose skin is not the same color as theirs. True. I don't—this is my opinion— and based on what I've been told and also, you know, my own thinking, the time isn't quite yet there right for these mass landings, you know, coming on the White House lawn. Uh, there's still a lot of um, opposition to them being here, and that goes into another topic. But number one, human beings have to be ready. And what I will throw out here is some interesting recent research that I think is really exciting. Um, it was done in 2015 and 2016, and it was the largest research of its kind um, at the time and since then. And it um, involved people from many different countries, from many different belief systems, social strata, etc., so that it was pretty representative of humanity, which is, a, as we all know, humanity is pretty damn diverse in so many ways. But this particular research tried to get a representative sample and a large sample, I think it was about 24,000 people, and it asked a lot of questions about extraterrestrials of the people just to get a measurement of how are Earth people um, thinking about this topic, about E.T. And without boring everyone with a lot of statistics, etc., what I will, I will say is that in the end, two questions in this research really interested me, and those questions were, do you believe that star civilizations really do exist? And by that, they meant not as a microbe under a rock on some forsaken planet somewhere out there, but no, star civilizations, full-on developed societies. And of the people that um, believe in those star civilizations, the question then was followed up with, well, do you believe we should be communicating with those? Right. Now, Given those two questions, they crunched some numbers, they asked them, and they did the statistics and whatever. I extended some of the statistics myself. I have a math background, 
And this interested me so much, I said, okay, let me work with this. Um, and the bottom line is that um, at this time, there are likely 1.3 billion, that's billion with a B, adults, global adults on this planet who do believe that star of civilizations exist and are so positive about it, they believe we should be contacting them. Now, that's quite a surprise. We thought we were alone, ourselves and a few of our friends who were hiding under the covers and saying, uh, yeah, I believe in ET, but don't tell anybody. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be committed to an institution. I don't want to be called this or that. Uh, you know, exactly. the truth is 1.3 billion That's adults across the planet are with us. That's one out of six or seven adults on the planet. And I should say that every one of those adults um, influences someone else in their environment. It might be a child. It might be a friend, a coworker, a family member. So that number is probably uh, the 1.3 billion is probably a little conservative. But that's okay. I am still astounded yeah. by that number. And what that means is that that group of people, in theory, supports what we at ETLet'sTalk.com and other, other networks that are like ours do. And that is to initiate this contact, because they're here. That's undeniable. And they're clear, so get used to it. I'd like to say that. They're here, they're clear, get used to it. <laughs> and there's a lot more of us humans who are ready than you ever, you and I ever thought possible until this research really delved into it. So that's why I created the People's Disclosure Movement in 2010, knowing that out there there were more of us ready than any of us ever thought, and that we should, those of us who are interested, should learn how to make the contact right. and to become cosmic humanity. And the further, the thing is that if you know anything about ufology, um, and I'm not sure how much of your audience is aware, but there's this big thing about disclosure. In other words, disclosing the presence of the aliens on Earth. Many people have been waiting for years for a government, a prime minister, a president, a premier, to make some announcement like, uh, okay, they really are here. We've been covering this up for 70 years. We've been lying to you, but uh, never mind that. And we called you crazy, ruined your careers, ruined your jobs, had you committed. But sorry about that. But they really have been here all along, and here's that announcement. People have been waiting for that drip, drip, drip disclosure. Right. And when I created the People's Disclosure Movement, my answer to that was, why are you on your bended knee waiting for these people passively to tell you what you already know by going out and making the contact yourself and teaching someone next to you to do it? That's a people's disclosure. It's from the grassroots up, and it's uh, moving into the future. We disclose. We don't wait for someone else to take our power from us and have us hanging by a thread waiting with bated breath for that announcement. Someone Forget asked, um, uh, uh, I think it was Obama, about, you know, the secret files in Area, you know, 41 or 42. What is it? What is it? Area, area 41. 51. 51. Area 51. And, and he says, oh, there, there, there's nothing in there. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, you get that, but maybe he was he hasn't seen it or maybe he's because I, I i saw a really interesting uh a documentary where they were you know had all kinds of stuff they actually have supposedly a, a you know a piece of an aircraft like an actual aircraft and they have all this stuff there but no one really knows because nothing like you said nothing's really been divulged publicly yeah um from what i've been told obama was briefed and they just basically lie when they say that i mean oh why i got a politician lying oh um <laughs> yeah they I don't want to Cosmetics I tell you, 
No, and this is not directed at Obama. I like Obama, but I'm just saying there's been a cover-up, and they all participate in the lie because it serves their purpose and not ours. You know, we as human beings deserve to know that we have, and this is what they call us. They said, they're our family, and this goes back to what I was saying before. Don't look on, uh, on us as gods. Don't do that. Think of us as elder brothers, sisters, and cousins. We are family. So governments which have their own reasons for wanting to hide the presence of these star families of ours, they may, they may have seated us here. They're keeping that from us, and, and that's, that's really a crime. But that's why the People's Disclosure Movement, where we make our own contact, we bypass all the authorities and take back our power and make our own contact. We need a good whistleblower is what we need. Someone at Area 51 or someone in there to, you know, to whistleblow and, you know, pull an, an Edward Snowden and just let us all know, you know, well, here's the documentation that's been hidden and, you know, and so forth. But my point is, yeah, we might need that and it would be useful, but why wait for that? My whole point is we've got to stop waiting and take things into our own hands. That. Right. I grew up in the 60s and the 70s when the revolutions of those times were happening. You know, uh, there wasn't an environmental movement back then, but people took the power back and demanded changes. There wasn't a, a feminist movement until women took their power back. There wasn't a civil rights movement until African Americans and, and their allies took back that power. So what I'm saying, this people's disclosure movement is along those same lines. Yeah. We're not waiting for an announcement. We're not waiting for a whistleblower. We are the whistleblowers. I tell you, I have seen a starship eight feet away from me. Why do I need an announcement? I saw it with nine other people for half an hour, uh, suspended in the air, communicating telepathically with us for half an hour. After an experience like that, why do I need an announcement from a whistleblower? I just saw something that, my, uh, that is seared in my brain forever, and at that point it caused me to want to do more of it, and that's one of the reasons I found it the ET Let's Talk community and the People's Disclosure Movement. Having an experience like that changes you forever. It may cause you to internalize it and not want to talk about it, or it may, want, it may cause you, like I know other people, to want to get on a rooftop and yell to the world, open your eyes, people. We are being visited, and we have a lot of help if we ask for it. It's really true, and we've been lied to. So other people will want to do that. But it does change you. And, and that's the power we have, and that's one thing if that I want to leave, if I, if I leave nothing else for your listeners here, is the fact that you can do this yourself. I'm nobody special. Uh, maybe I'm an organizer and I have a community, but within that community are many people who've had even more dramatic encounters than I have. And they're not anybody special, except they sat down, they used the protocols, they tried time and again, and they made contact. And they made it in all these different ways that we've been talking about. So this is the biggest exciting story on the planet in, 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 in my uh, way of thinking, because it's us becoming cosmic humanity and knowing that we're not alone in the universe and we're also not alone on Earth because there's so many millions, billions of people that do believe as we do. So this, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, is what you're hearing me saying, that we can take the reins of this whole movement, connect with these civilizations and learn from them. They have technologies that will cure cancers. Uh, they have technologies that can provide free energy that would change the face of, of this planet and turn it into a paradise if allowed to, to be used. 
and other technologies. They're spiritually advanced. And why wouldn't we take advantage of an elder brother, sister, or a cousin walking in and saying, here's my hand, take it, I want to help you. But you know, I can't show up right now because <laughs> there's three out of four people that don't really want me here yet on Mass, but let's work together and talk to each other um, until the time is right when we can come fully and walk openly on earth because the acceptance will be widespread uh, for, our, for our presence there. So that's what we're working towards in the People's Disclosure Movement. You know, we're not saying this will happen overnight, but we have made a beginning. And there have been other movements that came before us, like the contacting movements of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, uh, the Rama movement in the, in the Latin world, etc. So we're not the first, but I believe right now the People's Disclosure Movement is the largest, most widespread movement of people trying to make contact and making contact um, on the planet right now. And we're only growing bigger every day. And we have a huge audience, especially millennials, for example, who are really open to this because they grew up with E.T., Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, with Star Trek and all the spinoffs. You don't have to convince them like that there's life out there. They're going, yeah, so what? What do we do with it? Well, you want to talk to them? Here, let me teach you how. Come to etletstalk.com. Membership is free, and the instructions are there, and there's uh, tens of thousands of people waiting to, to meet you. That's etletstalk.com. Nancy, did you have something that you were about to say? I was wondering, Costa, can you give us like one of those protocols of what to do? So I have seven steps on my website there, and when, you're, when you log in as a member, you can just click on CE5 protocol, and there's the seven easy steps, which take you through relaxing your body and your mind, closing your eyes, using your visualization to connect with the group that you're with there in the room and to circulate heart energy, love energy around each other, and also then to visualize the other groups around the world who are doing what you're doing and to connect with them in your heart and your mind and your imagination with those groups. And then the groups send up a beacon of light and invitation into the sky as a um, as an again as an invitation to the star people to respond so that particular protocol in, in a nutshell what people will do is they take that protocol and they, they do customize it some people like to add music that relaxes them and puts them in a good mood some people like to do chanting others will do some other kind of ritual and on and on but the core of that whole protocol what i just described and and its variations is this if you have goodwill, an open mind, an open heart, love, and genuinely and sincerely approach them with this, they will, they, our star friends, will detect your vibration, so to speak, of you and the group that you're with there, and they will respond in time. Some people are successful the first time. Some people it take, may take a few times. And I always tell people, yeah, look for the lights in the sky. That's kind of cool. But be aware of all these other different ways that we've talked about that, that you're, you're getting acknowledged. And it's really cool to be acknowledged. When that happens, you go, oh, my God, that worked. There's something there, you know. And 
I, I want more of that. That's my one example of a, of, of a protocol. Okay, so, so, so you get together with this group, and, and, and you talked about that, and you talked about you know sending up a beam of light or whatever. Well, if, if, let's just say that the fastest speed we know on this planet is the speed of light. And, and, and if you're talking about these other beings being you know hundreds and thousands and millions of light years away, how are they able yeah. to, I mean, does that vibration travel instantly through the universe without any, you know, you know, millions of times faster than the speed of light, or are they just kind of hanging around, you know, close to Earth and waiting for that uh, you, you to reach out? I, I believe the answer to that is yes and yes. It's both of those things. Uh, the famous physicist um, can't think of it right now, but he said the number of minds in the universe is one, and quantum physics, for example, is showing how entangled everything is, so that what we think of in terms of time and space. The speed of light uh, may not be the barriers that we once thought they were. So, yeah, they're maybe hanging around. But I believe, too, that because all things are one, that in some trans-dimensional way, we can reach out to the other ends of the universe. Somehow these civilizations have used physics that goes beyond what we, we understand to be able to get here, right? Right. Your point is, is true. Hundreds and millions of light years by the speed of light standard, just makes it impossible within human lifespan or a couple hundred years of a lifespan to get anywhere but near to the closest of your neighbors. So there is a physics there, transdimensional, that I don't think we have yet fully understood that they are using. Um, I'll go back to the example of when I saw the Starship uh, with nine other people that changed my life. It appeared out of nowhere. We were staring at an area... Um, where there was some, some foliage on, in, in a clearing at the base of a mountain uh, in a forest. And right out of thin air, this spherical object, maybe three or four feet across, just starts appearing. And it floats above the ground without any sound, without any movement or wind or anything. Uh, we can't see inside. It's kind of an opaque gray. And it stays there for half an hour. Now, that should not have happened. Uh, as well, we, st- we start getting... Um, uh, telepathic messages from the beings that were inside that said, we are research scientists who are here to study the human energy system, the human aura. So they were a research project. And that was kind of cool to find out, you know, this wasn't some scary, we're going to come and eat you type of scenario. They were scientists. And then there's when they were finished, they actually performed an experiment on the woman standing next to me. And that's a whole nother story. Uh, and that was a really a wonderful thing. But once they were finished, we all watched this three, four-foot sphere then dissolve into thin air. Now, none of that should have been possible by any physics that I was ever taught. But in that moment, you could not tell me and the nine other people, adults, who were standing there watching this, that we were mass hallucinating or something. We saw what we saw. We know what we saw. And so there's some additional physics here that we don't understand that they are using and this was just one example for me. So if it can happen once, then my mind got blown open and I realized, okay, there, there is a whole lot I don't understand right. about time and space and distance and travel. And I just got one tiny example here of something that was outside the realm of what should have been possible by all the standard rules. So I have to ask, what happened? What was the experiment on the lady standing next to you? Well, she was um, about a foot or two away. We're all standing watching the, um, uh, this object floating there, 
Um, I wanted to get close and touch it, but then something said to me, no, you better not. You don't know what you're dealing with. And still, I was maybe only six or eight feet away. I wasn't that far. But as we were standing next, I was standing next to her. I'll, I'll call her Gloria, not her real name. Um, she was standing very um, straight, very erect, with her arms, both her arms out at right angles. They were bent at the elbow, and they were parallel with her palms facing out parallel to each other. I thought that was kind of weird, because when I looked over to talk to her, she's standing there, eyes closed, with these arms doing that, um, not moving. And I thought to myself, okay, something's going on. Um, I don't want to interrupt it because I know that she's very psychic. Uh, maybe she's communicating with them. So I didn't want to interrupt anything. Stayed quiet, but I stayed close next to her just in case she showed any signs of distress. I would be there, you know, to help her out. Well, after the half hour, and she stood there like that for half an hour, um, not moving, she suddenly started shaking and uh, muttering. And I realized whatever was going on with her had just ended. And I grabbed her by the shoulders to steady her. And I said, you know, hey, are you okay? How many fingers am I holding up? What's your name? Et cetera. And she was fine with all that and answered correctly. And I asked her, well, okay, what happened? And she said that one of the beings, one of the scientists from inside this craft that we had been watching, telepathically spoke to her and said and asked, may I merge with you? May I, you know mind meld or merge with you, whatever, and study your energy system. And boy, to her credit, she internally said in response, and again, none of us knew this was happening. Like I said, she was standing there very quiet, but all this was going on telepathically. And now she was relating to me what the conversation was. And so she responded and said, yes, um, okay, you may do that, but I have three conditions. And kudos to you out there, Gloria, because how many of us, when getting a voice in our head that says, hi, may I merge with you, would have it together enough to say, well, yeah, okay, but here's my contract. Here's my three conditions. You know, some people would run away with their hair on fire uh, mm -hmm. or, or say no or whatever just because there was no reason to, but because we're human beings and people can go into fear and doubt and whatever. To her credit, she said, here's my three conditions. Number one, um, I remain... Um, cognizant of my surroundings. I don't want to be knocked out and unconscious, unaware of what's going on with me. And the being responded and said, okay, I agree. Whereupon she said, number two, you leave when I tell you to leave, or you unmerge when I tell you to unmerge. When I say I'm done, I'm done. That's and the being great. agreed to that. And the third condition she said she had was um, no funny probing, no messing with the sexual <laughs> organs, no experimentation. I'm not down with that. Uh, and the being said, that's fine. So while she was standing there next to me, unbeknownst to me, she had this conversation. She made this contract and they were doing their extra dimensional, whatever experiments on her aura, her energy bodies and gathering the information they wanted. And at the point where she was starting to shake and I had to grab her, was the point where internally she said to them, okay, I'm done, go. And they left. And as she finished the story, I looked over and I noticed that that round sphere that had been hovering there, as I mentioned before, started dissolving into thin air, just kind of fading away really slowly until it was just gone. One of the guys in the group came up to me and said, you know, I never got really close to it, and no closer than any of the rest of you, but look at my face, and he had a sunburn. This was at night, like at maybe 11 p.m., 11.30, 12 o'clock at night when this happened. 
and he did not have a sunburn before that, but his face was red. Hmm. Um, uh, he wasn't like hurt or or anything, but he was just noting that was a reaction he had. Um, the rest of us didn't have any of that. We were just really wowed by what happened, and especially this woman, Gloria, I think had the most incredible experience of the whole group, and she shared it with uh, the group the following afternoon when we all got together and and relived the the experiences from the, the she, night. When they merged, was Gloria able to kind of like be inside the alien's body at the same time, or the uh, the uh, star person's body at the same time, where she could know kind of how he feels and what's going on in his head, or was it completely just the star person taking over her body? As far as I know, it was the latter, but that is an excellent question. I didn't think to ask her that in the moment. I mean, there was so much information coming at us, but... If I ever get back in contact with her, I will ask that question because for all I know she did, she was able to feel the feelings or get an information transfer of what was going on in their minds or what their planet looked like or the inside of their ship from their brain or whatever, et cetera. Great question, and I I don't have an answer for that. I yeah, well, I, I would so. love to know what, what what they what happens in their mind if they process yeah. things faster, like yeah, at an astronomical yeah. rate, or if, or if, or what they see when they see us. You know, do, do they see like things in in three dimensional, or do they see things in you know the colors? I mean, there's just so many questions I would have for yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so would I. Um, yeah. yeah, because once you get past the point of being afraid of something, then your curiosity sets in, right? you're going, wait a minute, I may never have this experience again. I want to know more. Tell me this. Tell me that. This is all new. This is exciting. But I don't have an answer for that. What I will say is that in my community of 50,000 people, so many have had experiences. Some have had uh, merging experiences like the one I just described. Uh, One friend of mine spent 13 days with his ET friend merged with him, and this friend actually taught him. So to your point, this other person actually was a pupil for 13 days in a merged state where he was taught a lot about the structure of the universe and how things work, et cetera, et cetera. And in fact, he's writing a book about it now. Wow. So he's one example of someone who went full on with that experience. How do you explain uh, that to your boss when you don't show up for two weeks to work? <laughs> well, in his case, he is his own boss. He was a successful entrepreneur who walked away with um, enough money that he could do what he wanted forever. So he didn't have to explain that to his credit to any boss. That's good. But I know that he experienced um, challenges from people in his environment. It wasn't a boss, but from other people who did not believe that. And so you have to be prepared that there are always going to be doubters, some haters, skeptics, and all that. But what I try to tell people is once you've had your own experience, know what you know and act upon that. And if you're really sure of it, don't let other people try to talk you out of it or make you wrong. Uh, Just because they can't experience it doesn't make you wrong. It makes them unable to experience what you just experienced. And the truth is you can teach that other person if they're open-minded and want to lay down their skepticism. You teach them to do what you just did in making contact. And that's what's cool. It takes just a lawn chair or a chair in your living room. It it costs you nothing. You don't have to have thousands of radio antennas in a desert somewhere sending out signals and have a budget of tens of millions of dollars to make this connection. You can do this with your eyes closed in a matter of minutes, and it has cost you nothing uh, except a little bit of your time uh, to make this connection. And if that isn't one of the most exciting things, I don't know what is uh, that, that people can try. 
Costa, have the star people given you a message about what people are dealing with, with the COVID and the fear? Yes, um, and there's a lot circulating out there. This is my truth, and um, I do know from being on social media that when it comes to COVID-19, it goes from one end of the spectrum to the other, whether it was this, it was that, it was man-made, it was, it's a hoax, blah, blah, blah. So what I'm saying is the truth as I know it, and as I've been told by my star contacts, they're saying this is a time of reset where humanity needed some kind of an event that would make us stop in our tracks and assess where we are, where we're going, the fact that we're about to destroy our whole planet one way or another. There are multiple ways. This virus, they said, was self-chosen by humanity at a very deep level as the least violent way, the least violent way for us to stop in our tracks and look around and figure out, do we like the world we have? If not, what can we do to get along and make it better and create a paradise for ourselves? You know, viruses have been with us for millions of years. They've wiped out untold millions of people throughout history. So that doesn't make this virus any different um, in that respect. But it is the opportunity at this particular time when we can either annihilate ourselves or we can transform and, and make a breakthrough break on through to the other side kind of thing and and have a better society. Um, we know that people have come together during the last six months in a way they never have before across the planet uh, to take care of each other, to show more compassion and care and kindness to each other because there's a lot of suffering and it's horrible suffering. But I think that a major upside of this terrible experience with the virus is that we've been forced to look at our planet and how we treat each other and that we should be taking care of each other a whole lot better than we have been. Um, and I think that that has been born in a lot of human hearts, a lot more compassion that has come out globally because of this particular virus experience. Now, as to how it was started, in what lab, by what bat, or what agenda, I'm not going to get into all that. I have my own opinions about that. But the information I have and the important part of this is that it is a reset. Pull the emergency brake so that you can stop like I said, and look around and see if you like where you are. And if you don't, make something better. Uh, I believe a lot of people are making something better. And that's why I am emphasizing something I call the People's Love Alliance, which is millions of people who don't make the news, the mainstream news, because as we know, the mainstream news loves fires, earthquakes, tornadoes, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Right. 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 But I started a group called Good News Every Day on Facebook. And there are many other groups like this one, so I'm not saying we're the only one. But the whole point was to show posts to highlight acts of kindness and compassion from all over the world of people treating each other better or making new inventions to help the environment or to feed villages or to provide water, whatever positive actions that we need to feed ourselves oh, yeah. instead, of, instead of just the mass negative news. That's all we've been getting these days. So that might be a good way to end it because we kind of end, end this show on the uh, the good news. And uh, wow, this has just been so fascinating. ETLetstalk.com and the ET Let's Talk community. And wow, this is, uh, Costa, this is this has been incredible. I mean, this is something, if you're interested, certainly, um, can they reach you directly through that site? Yes, they can. And my email address is Costa, K-O-S-T-A, at etletstalk.com. Great. This has been great, Costa. So fascinating. Thank you for allowing me to expound on all these various passionate topics for my heart. 
I'm so happy we got to have you on. Same here. Thank you again for the opportunity, both of you. Well, thank you, and uh, we will talk to you next time on Imagine Akasha. Have a nice day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.